As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. You're listening to Here's the Catch with David Lombardi, Matt Barrows, and Dennis Brown on the Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome back to the Here's the Catch podcast for the 2022 season. You've probably been tuning into some of the live rooms where you get to ask some questions. Well, this is the standard podcast, and we're back for more. We're going to be back for at least two episodes per week during the course of this season, probably one a week here during training camp. But once things get rolling up to two a week, it's going to be a lot of fun. Matt, how's it going? How has your offseason been? Now that the offseason's over now, I know you're working hard, but how did it go the past few months for you? It's been going well. I mean, um, certainly no shortage of storylines to write with the 49ers. Uh, It went from Debo wanting off the team to Debo uh, signing his deal and kind of sloughing off any any issues that they may have had back in April. And we, we sort of got uh, a heads up on that when he showed up in June for that minicamp and, and looked for all the world as if he was very much part of that team. And, um, you know, that's been the case in, in recent days. So he's getting warmed up. Uh, Trey Lance is getting some of his weaponry back around him. And, and hopefully that offense, David, can start to kind of keep pace with the defense, which to me has been the sort of the, the overarching storyline of training camp, but that defense, if it's not uh, the best in the league, boy, um, it's it's top three because they've got a lot of firepower. Yeah, and if we zoom out and we look at the 49ers' overarching 2022 plan, because we know that they want to contend, I think we've been saying this, and this stretches back before training camp. We've been saying that whenever you have a first-time starting quarterback, you're going to anticipate growing pain. So I think the 49ers formula has to be and has been throughout all of these months, and now we're starting to see it materialize in training camp. They're relying on the defense to be a top five, maybe even a top three, top two unit because that offense uh, has definitely struggled against the defense. And that offense, I think, will have some growing pains both at the quarterback position and at the offensive line, which has lost talent which looks shaky to, to say to say the best here during the start of training camp. And if the 49ers want to achieve their goal of competing for a Super Bowl on a year-in, year-out basis, they're going to have to have the defense pull the train this year. They're going to have to have the special teams step up. And 
a lot of teams in the past have seen success with a powerful defense and a good special teams unit and with an offense that just kind of stays afloat and then finds its form as the season progresses. And I think the 49ers are going to have to be one of those teams. In fact, uh, Matt, I think it was the first or second day of camp, Kyle Shanahan brought up the 2019 formula and he applied it to 2022. He said in 2019, it took us eight or nine games offensively to get going and before then defense and special teams carried the way and it looks like the 49ers in general looks like that's what's going to have to be the the carrying formula here in 2022 yeah that the 2019 season everybody remembers them uh really needing something at the wide receiver spot and they made the trade for emmanuel sanders and in that uh that passing game almost immediately really took off um, this year, you know, the, the big question mark isn't wide receiver, it's not running back, it's not tight end, uh, it's uh, quarterback and, and the offensive line. But to, to me, the, the, the quarterback dynamic is just so interesting because, you know, most of the time you bring in an uh, inexperienced quarterback, a, a top five pick certainly, and, and that guy is starting uh, right off the bat for a really, really bad team. That's why the, the team has... Uh, the high draft pick uh, with the 49ers it's the exact opposite and it's really unique uh, you've got like i said uh, lots of talent wide receiver you got george kittle you got a very deep uh, running back group no stars really there but uh, I, I think it's certainly efficient with elijah mitchell and the hinge point it's all balancing teetering almost on trey lance and so um, that's that's the big question mark is is um, you know, can he do it? And can the year he spent apprenticing under Jimmy Garoppolo sort of uh, allow him to sidestep some of those those typical pitfalls that young quarterbacks have? And uh, it's been rough. I mean, uh, uh, on Twitter, people get really upset when you point out that, uh, well, boy, uh, Trey Lance was just three of nine today. But that's that's been a pretty standard stat line for him. There were a couple of drops on uh, on Wednesday that that contributed to that but um, they're certainly not taking it easy on him the defense isn't taking it easy on him and I don't think Kyle Shanahan is calling any sort of uh, easy plays for him uh, like like he might have done last year when he was a rookie they're they're putting him right into the fire and they're seeing if he uh, I'm mixing my metaphors uh, they're seeing if he can swim and um, you know that's that's sort of the beauty of it uh, and uh, you would expect him to struggle in those circumstances. And I think he is struggling a little bit. And uh, it'll be interesting to see if he can kind of fight his way out of that and have some better looking practices here as we get into the uh, second and third week of training camp. Well, he's only completed 48% of his passes. That's not pretty by any stretch of the imagination. Nate Sudfeld's completed 72%. So has Brock Purdy. But Nate Sudfeld and Brock Purdy are getting the benefit that Trey Lance had last season. They get to play against the 49ers backups. So, you know, last season everybody was kind of freaking out about the comparison between Jimmy Garoppolo and Trey Lance at training camp. And they're saying, well, Trey Lance looks better in some regards than Jimmy Garoppolo. Well, it was because Trey Lance was playing against the 49ers second team defense. We see now how how big of a deal it is to play against the starters and not the second team. Plus, I, I think the 49ers secondary is much better than it was last season. Last year, the 49ers were reliant on Jason Verrett staying healthy. And anybody 
with a basic knowledge of Jason Verrett's injury history, realizes that that's probably not too sound of a plan. And it didn't end up being a sound plan when Jason Verrett tore his ACL in week one. And then the 49ers set records for pass interference penalties. And it was ugly for that defense for the first half of last year, maybe even more than the first half. Well, this season... To illustrate how much the depth has changed on that side of the ball, Jason Verrett's not even back yet. The 49ers secondary already looks great. And if Jason Verrett does come back, as is expected, he'll just be icing on the cake. It'll be found money for the secondary. They don't need him to be healthy. That's how much deeper they've gotten in just one year. And Trey Lance is having to face that unit in practice. So uh, it's, it's tough sledding for Trey Lance. And I'll tell you what, Matt, he hasn't been helped by... The 49ers offensive line. They lost Lake and Tomlinson at left guard. They lost Alex Mack to retirement at center. And it looks like they'll be breaking in a new right guard because Spencer Burford, the fourth round pick out of San Antonio, has been taking all of the first team snaps there. So the entire interior offensive line, left guard, center, right guard, is new in front of a new quarterback who's struggling right now, who's only completing 48% of his passes. So for as strong as this roster is overall, the 49ers are in a big-time danger zone in the very middle of that offense. Yeah, and I think breaking in a, a rookie right guard is great. This is probably something they should have done a few years ago. You know, Burford is not perfect, but he's really given them a lot of encouragement that he can be their right guard. You know, a young guy at right guard for the foreseeable future. They haven't had that scenario since Shanahan arrived in, in 2017. The issue is that... They're breaking him in at right guard at the same time that they're breaking in Aaron Banks at left guard and they're breaking in Jake Brendel at center. So you've got these three sort of tenuous spots right in the very front of Trey Lance. And Lance, I can't remember one play in which he's got a comfortable pocket. I mean, he's always under duress and he's always kind of sliding out. And again, I think that'll benefit him at some point in the future. But Right now, it's uh, it's tough sledding for him. So it's going to be interesting because, like I said, you've got all this talent sort of stacked up on this team, but you've got this matchstick holding that talent up. And they're going against the clock now to kind of get Lance and that starting interior offensive line up to speed before they travel to Chicago to play the Bears. And, you know, as you mentioned, it's more than one position. So a lot of people are talking about the center position, right? Alex Mack brought some... Much needed stability to that position during his final career season in 2021 that the 49ers really haven't had throughout Kyle Shanahan's tenure. And now that stability is gone, so people are freaking out. Well, is it going to be Jake Brendel? Is it going to be Daniel Brunskill? Or should the 49ers go out and sign a veteran free agent like uh, J.C. Treader, who, who actually still is available? But the problem is, even if the 49ers do that... They still need to make sure that left guard and right guard are taken care of, right? They still need to make sure that Aaron Banks at left guard and Spencer Burford at right guard, two youngsters, play well. So it's really a parlay that the 49ers have to hit up front. Three different spots have to do well. Now, the you know the caveat here is that you can argue that Lance it has some escapability, right? Kyle Shanahan now has a quote-unquote mobile quarterback. So maybe if the line isn't completely sealed, maybe if... Uh, you know, there there still is a weakness or two. Lance might be able to wiggle his way out of some trouble, deliver off schedule. In fact, on the first day of camp, George Kittle was talking about how excited he was about those off schedule plays. But at the end of the day, Matt, I think sustainable offensive success, especially with a young quarterback, it relies on, on good pass protection. You can't sit there 
and and order you know your main course as as off schedule plays. The main course has to be on schedule plays from the pocket. They can't be read option runs because then then Trey Lance is just going to risk getting hurt. There has to be some semblance of structure in the offense. Kyle Shanahan has repeated several times that that's uh, very important to him. And for that reason, I just go back to the O-line as, as being the, the one hinge point for this 49er season. To me, I know the defensive line is good. I know the linebackers might be the best unit in football. I've seen the secondary. They have 12 interceptions through the first six or seven practices of camp. Uh, that's more than they had all of camp last year. They're only 11 last year. I know all of this. I know that Debo Samuel's good. Ayuk looks awesome. And the 49ers are going to have good running backs. But what I don't know is how that offensive line is going to hold up against the NFL. And to me, that's that's the hinge point for this team's Super Bowl dreams. Yeah, for sure. And I think there will be some things that you know Shanahan's able to do to protect Lance, uh, play calls, things like that. He's not doing them now. And I think uh, we should probably state that a little bit more, um, you know, from time to time to let people know that this can be manipulated and it can be manipulated to make Lance seem a lot better than he is. And uh, right now it's uh, at a stage where he's probably a lot, looking a lot worse than where he actually is. Uh, remember in the spring, uh, you know, no hitting, no nothing, a lot of stars were not playing, so it wasn't really a, a, a great look at, at where things were. But Lance was good. Lance was efficient. Lance um, mostly hit, you know, short throws to his tight ends and running backs. Um, you mentioned um, Nate Sudfeld's completion percentage. It, it, it is terrific. A, a great completion percentage. 72% is, is fantastic. Sudfeld, um, mostly, at least on Wednesday and in other practice sessions, has has, um, you know, thrown short passes to the running backs and to the tight ends. Uh, whereas Lance, at least on Wednesday, was attacking deep. Uh, and he didn't hit any of those balls. There was a nice throw to Debo Samuel that I thought Samuel could have come up with. Uh, but my point is that, um, you know, it's, uh, it's what the quarterback is being asked to do a lot of times. And uh, like I said, Lance is... Lance is uh, being asked to do quite a bit with a ferocious pass rush hitting him all the time. But let, let's talk about, uh, let's keep it on offense and talk about some of the positives that we are seeing. And uh, I think Burford's progress can be classified as a, as a positive. Brandon Ayuk, Jimmy Ward today said that he thought that Brandon Ayuk was, has been the best player in training camp offense or defense and then he, he quickly followed that up with oh, oh, oh with the exception of Nick Bosa Bosa's Bosa so uh, but that just kind of shows you how impressed everybody's been with Ayuk and um, uh, I'm trying to think of another uh, positive at uh, on the offensive side um, Debo Samuel's back the running back group looks pretty strong oh I think that um, the rookie Ty Davis Price if there's a critique yeah. in him, it's that he hasn't had the best hands. Uh, he's dropped some passes. But, boy, when he runs the ball, he's running with that same violence, um, that same power that was sort of predicted when uh, when they drafted him in the third round. So 
Uh, I think the arrow is definitely up for him. Well, that's one thing that's changed about this football team from 21 to 22. They have beefed up in the running back room, right? First off, you have the returning players, Elijah Mitchell and Trey Sermon, both uh, come out and say that they've proudly added some weight, that that was a goal this offseason, so they're bulked up. And then you have the 49ers acquire two rookies, including Davis Price, who are 220-pound bell cows. Uh, Jordan Mason is the other one. Yeah, the triple option uh, guy out of out of Georgia Tech, but but again, he weighs over 220 pounds. Uh, just two or three years ago, th- that would have been unheard of in this offense. Kyle Shanahan was all about speed, speed, speed. He wanted the guys to be physical too, but speed was more important than physicality. He wanted the burst for the outside zone. So you had your Matt Breedas on this team. Raheem Mostert was a little bit heavier than Matt Breida, but he still, I mean, it, he obviously was a guy that emphasized speed more than than uh you know durability or power and that's why you saw Raheem Mostert get hurt so often and you know now it seems that that speed focused component has left with Mike McDaniel to Miami McDaniel of course now has Mostert over there he now has Tyreek Hill over there I mean that's going to be the fastest offense in football but the 49ers they have meanwhile focused more on the bulk at running back they brought in Davis Price they brought in Jordan Mason they told Mitchell to bulk up, and they told Trey Sermon to bulk up. So I'm looking at a unit now, Matt, that's going to be focused on durability, but might also be running a little bit more inside zone, some more power stuff. I mean, you look at their new running backs coach, Anthony Lynn. He's been a head coach in this league before. He loves the inside zone. So I think that there's a slight evolution happening right before our eyes with this 49ers backfield. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Lynn and then, you know, Chris Furster, the uh, offensive line coach. I mean, it's really Furster who is replacing Mike McDaniel. Furster is going to be the one that um, is kind of come up, coming up with those run uh, plans that McDaniel did in previous years. And, you know, he's he's an old line coach. So, uh, of course, he's going to like the, uh, the the power, the grit, the, the, the more inside stuff. Um, so I, I think that that's something to watch this year. And, and you're right, the, uh, the added weight, the added beef in the running back room is twofold. You, a, probably primarily you want this group to be more resilient than it's been in previous years. Uh, you know, Elijah Mitchell was just saying the other day that he was dealing with broken ribs last year. I mean, he had a, an, an anatomy lessons worth of, of injuries, shoulder, ribs, knees, Etc. Etc. Um, you know, just having a little bit more weight on him, I think, will kind of protect him and 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 adhere more to his style. I mean, he was a uh, lower your shoulder 
and, and drive the tackler back three yards type of runner last year and maybe didn't have quite the physique to match that style. Um, and then the other part is to, you know, as, as you said, to have a more kind of robust style running game. And I think that works very well with, with George Kittle and with Debo Samuel and, and what that group brings to the table as well. So that'll be interesting. I mean, we talked about this in the past. Defense is getting lighter and lighter and lighter, more um, uh, built to stop the pass. Uh, a really smart team will be able to exploit that, and uh, I wonder whether Kyle Shanahan sort of thinking the same thing. Well, another player who we haven't talked about yet, I know that we were listing some rookies who have impressed us, Danny Gray, Matt, over the past couple practices. Maybe not as much on Wednesday, but on Tuesday, uh, he caught a couple more deep passes, and this goes back all the way to OTAs. Uh, I think Jimmy Ward was the one who was mic'd up during OTAs, and he didn't, wasn't really sure who the rookies were yet at that point because this was – shortly after the draft and Jimmy Ward was like damn who's that he's fast they they noticed Danny Gray's speed right away and, and he's got that extra gear that I think could contribute immediately to this offense so a couple deep completions from Sudfeld to Danny Gray on Tuesday and then earlier in camp we saw Brock Purdy to Danny Gray touchdown so he's getting behind the second and third team defense no problem now it's time for Danny Gray to graduate to uh, getting behind that first-team defense. I think he's caught a couple intermediate passes against the first-team defense, but ultimately, Kyle Shanahan wants a speed threat that can stretch the field vertically, not just to, to throw to him, per se. I mean, if he's open, of course, you're going to want Trey Lance to throw to Danny Gray downfield, but if you can get those safeties taking a couple steps back a little bit earlier than they normally do, that that can open up the short game. And this this goes back to what we were talking about earlier. I think the short game is going to determine the success or failure of this offense in 2022. We talk a lot about Nate Sudfeld just throwing short all the time. Well, you know what? It'll be great if, Nate, if Trey Lance can throw short all the time and complete passes this year. Uh, if the 49ers defense is as good as, as as advertised, right? You'd rather have that than some insanely volatile performance where Trey Lance is, is, is not really efficient. So ultimately, you do want that field-stretching game. That's why somebody like Danny Gray is here. That's you know why Trey Lance is here. But the bread and butter underneath is going to be really important. And we have to remember that even with the, the flashy speed that the 49ers have with somebody like Danny Gray, ultimately... That short game is is something that they're going to be zeroed in on, whether it be um, you know just establishing it early or establishing it by stretching the field with their flashier weapons. Yeah, no, nothing better uh, to take the teeth out of a, a pass rush than a uh, short passing game. I mean, that's what uh, opponents use against the 49ers defense all the time. Uh, and it's something that Jimmy Garoppolo was very good at. I mean, we, we've talked uh, ad nauseum about his quick release. Um, is very accurate too, uh, through a, through a catchable ball and uh, in rhythm. That's the sort of the question mark with uh, with Lance. He's got the the longer wind up. Um, uh, there are some questions about his accuracy, and um, I think that the the big thing is just uh, sort of recognition at this point, um, knowing where to go to the ball, knowing what that outlet is, being able to hit it quickly. And uh, that's not something he's done well, I don't think, in early in training camp. Um, but uh, also, to his credit, he is more ambitious than Jimmy Garoppolo was in, as far as where he wants to go, where he can go. 
with the ball. So, I mean, it's all a compromise, um, you know, six of one, half a dozen of the other. And um, again, it's all kind of hinging on how quickly over, what is it, the next five, five and a half weeks, um, uh, Trey Lance can, can get up to speed. Um, what, what a good measuring stick, though, in, in week one, right off the bat. You Justin got him, Fields. Yeah, exactly, going <laughs> against Justin Fields, and Fields had the benefit of uh, nearly a full season in Chicago. Um, and he threw it, it, five picks and practiced the other day. Did you see that? <laughs> there you go. It was a very Garoppolo-like number. Uh, Fields, <laughs> Fields' best uh, best game last year came against the 49ers. He, he looked fantastic in that game. Uh, ran the ball well, threw the ball well. That wasn't the, the theme for him, though. I think that was an aberration. I, I think he struggled at times uh, a year ago. And uh, again, it'll be a really good case study uh, to... Two franchises sort of going about their quarterback question in a similar but also very different way. That's why each week is going to be fun, fun to write about. Well, that game was in the danger zone for the 49ers up until, what, maybe midway through the fourth quarter. I think they might have even been trailing entering the fourth quarter. It was a Jimmy Garoppolo homecoming to Chicago. He scored two rushing touchdowns, but they were really teetering on edge on that third and long. I think it was third and 20. They ran a little slip screen to Debo Samuel, and he took it 80-plus yards. Initially ruled a touchdown, then Garoppolo had to run it in a, a play or two later. But um, that that was the play that I thought turned around the season for the 49ers, right? I think they lost to Arizona the next week. But if they don't win that game at Chicago, then we're not talking about the dramatic finish to the year, right? They needed to have that one in Chicago, so Debo carried them there. And then week nine after that loss, week 10 happened at home against the Rams Monday Night Football, and they routed the Rams. And then, you know, you figured, okay, this team has the ability to do something. Let's see if they can actually be consistent. And to their credit, they they were fairly consistent over the back half of the season, setting up the white-knuckle ride uh, that, that we have talked about so much throughout that week 18 Rams game and then the postseason. So now the 49ers circle the wagons again, and they're going to try to carry some of that energy moving forward. But it's it's funny, Matt, because uh, as much as you know, we talk about some of the players who were heroes in that 2021 season, so much is going to be different here in 2022. Obviously, Garoppolo, uh, who's been thrown out on the practice field for the 49ers, but they're still looking to trade him right now. He's he's almost certainly not going to be part of the team come September. Uh, you know, you look at some of the other depth names that that will no longer be with this team, and you go up and down the the actual depth chart. There have been a lot of new signings, new acquisitions, typical NFL-style turnover for, for the most part, but it still means that the 49ers have to rebuild this thing during this training camp and get it ready to go for another run because just because you finished last season hot doesn't mean anything for 2022. No, for sure. And um, I, I think that the, the defense is revving. Um, you know, I, I think uh, we'll be talking and writing about special teams this year because um, I tell you, Brian Schneider has got a lot of clout uh, around the league, and people think that he's a really, really good coach. He's had some some personal struggles that have kind of kept him out of coaching in recent seasons, but uh, those seem to be in control, and uh, boy, you, you watch uh, some of the, uh, just the talent when they practice uh, kickoff coverage, for example, 
and you see Oren Burks is out there, and George Odom is out there, and Talanoa Hufanga is out there, and Dante Johnson is out there. These are all special team stalwarts. Uh, so th- those units are going to be better. I can I can almost uh, guarantee that. And um, you know that that was a big that's a big issue for this team. If you can kind of become a top five special teams after being what low twenties last year. Uh, you know that, uh, that that's a that's a lot of uh, points that kind of swing in your direction. So again, I mean, this has been a theme that the 49ers have been saying: we don't need Trey Lance to be a superstar. We don't need him to play like it's obvious he's the number three pick in the draft. Uh, we need him to be good uh, and efficient, and um, uh, that's that's the question. I don't think he's been good and efficient so far. Uh, but again, we got five weeks to go. Well, look at the DNA of the 49ers run last year. It was a wild one, so it's hard to kind of sort it all out. But uh, from week one up until the point that Jimmy Garoppolo suffered his first uh, major injury, the, the thumb injury right against the Titans in week 16, 49ers were a top six, top seven offense. Um, so so the, they were an offense-fueled team last year because from weeks 1 to about 11 or 12, their defense actually ranked in, in the bottom half of the league if you looked at the EPA and DVOA. It, it, was, a, it was a shoddy defense, mainly because of that secondary that was committing pass interference penalties like, like it was their job. And then on top of that, the special teams throughout the whole year – with one really notable exception that I'll talk about in a bit, was bottom barrel. They were, as you said, Matt, they were number 26, number 27. They were right right down at the bottom. So the 49ers were this team that was offense-driven with a defense that was lagging behind and a special teams that was terrible. And that was why they were out of the playoff picture until the very end of the season. And it was at that very end of the season that the defense kicked it into gear. Weeks 14 onward, is when it got real for that defense. And if you look at weighted DVOA, Football Outsiders does a great job with this. It's able to look at the advanced stats and say, how was this defense playing to end the season? Not, you know, how they were playing to begin the season. The defense finished up number three. And it's because the pass rush took off and the cornerback position finally figured it out enough from weeks 14 onward to have that defense at the number three defense in football. And it was a good thing that happened for the 49ers because just as the defense hit its stride, Jimmy Garoppolo got hurt, right? So the offense was leaking oil. And not just Jimmy Garoppolo, the O-line started getting hurt over and over again. Trent Williams missed the first game against the Rams. Trent Williams played the championship against the Rams on a high ankle sprain. That wasn't good news. So the, the, the offense was leaking oil to finish. The defense grabbed the baton from them and, and helped carry it across the finish line. And for that game against the Packers, because the 49ers didn't have that offense in place and because obviously they're they're up against Aaron Rodgers and the snow at Lambeau Field they needed that extra push it was the special teams that at least once last year showed up in a big moment so that they made up I guess for some of those struggles throughout the year but you know just listing how it all kind of intertwined last year is exhausting because the 49ers needed contributions from every single corner of the roster and now we move forward to 2022 and I think they're going to want to simplify that a little bit, right? They're not. It took a perfect storm for this team to reach the conference championship game, given you know all the things that went wrong, and they had they had to have 
a lot of things go right at just the right time when they're walking that tightrope. So here entering 2022, I think, Matt, the overarching theme should be to simplify. And by that, I mean play really good defense, fix the special teams, and then let Trey Lance and the offense grow into efficiency over the course of the year. And it's such a good running team already that 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 ought to be a really fantastic platform for Trey Lance to, to do that growth. And to, and to, I don't want to say play conservatively, because uh, that's not that's not uh, quite correct. But um, I, I think having that that running game firing, like I'm sure Anthony Lynn and Chris Furster and Kyle Shanahan want, uh, is going to make things so much easier for Trey Lance. So uh, on paper, it's all there. The the formula is uh, is is really good. Um, again, I keep going back to it, it's just going to. It hinges on on Trey Lance, and it hinges on the guys right in front of Trey Lance, and and that's the uh, that's going to be the tricky part. Uh, but uh, we talked about the, the the guys on on offense who have uh, jumped out. Um, who has uh, jumped out to you on defense? So I'll, I'll start out. Uh, I just talked about Jimmy Ward saying that Brandon Ayuk may be the the best player in camp so far. My vote. Uh, you know, all apologies to Jimmy Ward, is uh, Charvarius Ward. Uh, oh, yeah. I, I think he's oh, been yeah. just uh, sensational and, and you know, uh, yeah, thrown at quite a bit. And usually he's the guy who's tipping away the ball or just has blanketed the target. Well, he's sticky in coverage. And, and we knew this. We suspected this through, you know, just a look at his tape from Kansas City. And the advanced stats on this guy last year, uh, he was one or two. In, in a lot of these metrics that measure how far away from the receiver he is on average. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of cool NFL next-gen coverage stats. And the 49ers, their R&D department, obviously, pays pays close attention to this kind of stuff. They Don't worry, they also watch the tape. And they love the tape for Charvarius Ward. He was their big fish in free agency. They wanted to land him this offseason. And they landed him for, what, $13.5 million per year? Considering the fact that you've got corners going for 20-plus now, uh, based on what I've seen early in camp, it looks like the 49ers got a hell of a deal. He, he's going to be able to follow opposing receivers around across the formation. They haven't really had that. Maybe they had it with Jason Brett in 2020, but I mean, it, it's it's been more of a rarity for the 49ers, and their their scheme is evolving, right? They're not simple cover three anymore. The, the 49ers are going to play a lot more man coverage. They love the press man coverage up at the line of scrimmage, and it seems that Charvarius Ward really fits this system like a glove. On top of that, Emmanuel Mosley uh, has just gotten more and more physical every year. Uh, Jason Verrett is expected back, but you don't need him. But boy, now they actually have depth in that room. And one thing that I'm really wondering about, Matt, is that nickelback position, right? Uh, And last season against the Rams, when K1 Williams missed the game after being on the COVID list, the 49ers faced a a real pinch in that game, right? Because they they had injuries and it forced Dante Johnson, their backup nickel, to move the safety. And they had signed during the course of that week, Darquez Denard to the practice squad, former first round pick in the 2014 draft out of Michigan State. People had forgotten about this guy. But for the final 18 snaps of that game, facing a lot of snaps against Cooper Cup, Darquez Denard only gave up one catch for 12 yards. And obviously the 49ers won, went to the playoffs. And it was just an amazing crash course that he had gone through. He basically didn't leave the facility for four or five days. And he earned the coaching staff's trust 
enough that you know they didn't really try to retain Kwan Williams this offseason. And it's probably going to be Darquez Denard's spot at a really, really important nickelback position because this is the division of Cooper Cup. He was going for the NFL receiving record last year, lining up at the nickel over 60% of the time. So uh, we talk about loading up to beat the Rams. It's probably going to be on Darquez Denard, former first-round pick, ninth year in the league, to, to, to line up there alongside Charvarius Ward, Mosley, Jason Verrett, and and deliver at that nickel spot. Yeah, and uh, the, the nickel guy is going to be out there 95% of the time. And, you know, uh, when they face the Cardinals as well, uh, a lot of teams. So it's going to be a well-used position this year. And uh, I get the impression that he's uh, a smart guy. I mean, you want experience at that spot. He's got that. But um, you also have to be smart, uh, very savvy. And uh, I, I think the, the story that you just relayed about him coming in and learning it in a matter of uh, days, hours, really, uh, kind of speaks to, to that uh, amount of savvy. And, and I think that, uh, you know, that experience obviously benefited the 49ers, but I think it awakened something in Denard. I mean, he seemed to be on his way out of the league at that point, off the street free agent. And um, I think he just had a lot of fun. I think that locker room at the end of that Week 18 game was a raucous, joyous locker room, and it sort of reignited his his love for the game. And so here we are. Um, They re-signed him. He, he, He took hold of that nickel spot and you're right. Probably uh, against Justin Fields and, and the Bears, he's going to be the guy. You know what's crazy, Matt? I, I talked to him on Wednesday. The 49ers had to call him twice. He actually turned him down the first time. They called him during week 17 after the Giants had released him. And he, you're exactly right. You hit the nail on the head. He was disenchanted. He was just kind of sitting on the couch. He was happy to be back with his family. He had just missed Christmas with his family. And he told the 49ers, you know, I'll, I'll think about it. I'll get back to you. Kind of just blew him off. And then stuff got really serious after a few days. They beat the Texans, and then everybody went on the COVID list in the secondary, right? Yeah. They had four or five guys. And then the 49ers called back, and they were a little bit more urgent this time. They said, no, we, we, we really need you to, uh, you know, sign with us. We're like, we, we, we need depth this week. We don't know if these guys are going to be back or not. And um, Darko Zanard, speaking as to how disenchanted he was with the NFL, he wasn't even following the standings. So he didn't even know where the 49ers were in the standings or who was good and who wasn't. He was just kind of like going through the motions last year, right? And somebody on the other end of the line, whoever called them, mentioned the playoffs. So they needed to win to make the playoffs. And that caused them to pop up in the couch. It was kind of like, you know, when Jim Mora was like, playoffs? So yeah, right. Denard said playoffs, but, it, but he meant it in a very positive way. And, and he hasn't... He hadn't been in the playoffs since year two in the league. Remember, this is a guy that was in year eight. He hadn't been in the playoffs since 2015 with the Bengals. And he he immediately started making calls to, to, to people that he knew with the 49ers or who had been with the 49ers. And funny enough, this, this is kind of cool. This brought it full circle for me talking to him. One of the calls that he made was to Dre Kirkpatrick who obviously played a few games to the 49ers last year, was Denard's former teammate at Cincinnati. And Kirkpatrick's you know, time with the 49ers didn't go all too well. He got squashed there on that running play. Uh, I think it was against Eno Benjamin of, of the, the Cardinals in that ugly game in Week 9. And the 49ers released him. And you know, most 49ers fans will probably say Drake Kirkpatrick's time as a 49er was, was an abject failure, right? But Drake Kirkpatrick endorsed the 49ers to Darquez Denard. 
He said, yeah, I, you know, my time there, I love the staff, I love the players, sign with them, just do it. And Denard ended up signing with the 49ers, played those 18 snaps against the Rams, saved the season in a way at Nickelback, and fell in love with football again. So it all came full circle last year, and now he's likely going to be there starting Nickelback for 2022. Yeah, it's a great story, and um, I, I hope it continues, I mean, because it'll be an even better story if he's uh, productive and uh, in the lineup all year, that'd be that'd be great. And it, it kind of underscores just how unique that locker room is, um, unique the team is. And uh, boy, it's going to be a big uh, disappointment for a lot of people if they don't uh, win a championship in one of these next few years because they're they're loaded, uh, the chemistry is right, the stars are aligned, uh, but uh, <laughs> you got to go out and do it. And uh, that's been elusive to this point. Yeah, it's it, it certainly has. They've you know you look at the past three years and you, you see the Super Bowl appearance in the 2019 season and then the NFC title game appearance in 2021. Those kind of sandwiched the lost year of 2020, weird year across the league, obviously in the middle of of that COVID season. But but you've seen really talented 49ers rosters. And to your point, with that locker room, you've seen kind of a college-like feeling in the locker room. It's another thing that Denard told me. He said, this locker room reminds me of college. He said, I haven't felt this way since I've been at Michigan State. So, you know, it, it's I think that's a theme that we hear from many players, that uh, it's just there is an exuberance that the 49ers have managed to keep in their locker room, even as they've racked up the star players over the years. And um, you're absolutely right. There's going to be a lot of regret if they can't finish the deal uh, at some point here with the Super Bowl moving forward. Maybe this is the season. Maybe it's not. Uh, early on, I'm not, should we put ourselves on the spot? Should we make a, a wins prediction right now on our first podcast, or should we wait until the eve of the, the regular season? What yeah, let, let, let's keep the uh, the listeners on the hook on that one. Uh, I, I haven't really thought about it to this point, but uh, uh, I'm going to have them over 500, I'll tell you that. Yeah, and you know I'm still thinking about it, but I think their defense is, is probably too good to – to let them go under 500 this year. Injuries can always happen, but I think you can win a lot of de- uh, games with defense and special teams. So that's my teaser for, for, for my prediction. Not going to be here yet. Anyway, um, I think we just we covered essentially the whole roster. Nice little preview of where the 49ers are at right now. We'll be back with you again in a few days as camp continues to unfold. We'll see what happens with that 49ers offensive line. We'll see if any more signings happen for uh, this football team up front, but uh, they may just roll with who they have, and that's going to call on the coaching staff and on the players to make some development happen this season. It's certainly going to be interesting. First preseason game for the 49ers is not this Friday, but next Friday at home against the Green Bay Packers. Speaking of that game in the snow at, at Lambeau Field, and uh, then the 49ers head to Minnesota, where they're going to have some joint practices with the Vikings, and they'll obviously play the Vikings. That's fitting because Trey Lance is originally from Marshall, Minnesota, and obviously Kirk Cousins and Kyle Shanahan uh, seem to be uh, found in the same headline uh, very often, just because people like to write about that. And then the preseason will conclude with a third game and then the season opener in Chicago on September 11th. So we still have over a month before then, but it's going to be a busy month indeed. All right, Matt. Well, it's been a good first show. Uh, anything else on your mind here? Anything No, burning? that's it. I mean, uh, those those three preseason games are going to happen bang, bang, bang. And I think it's uh, three games in 13 days. So it's going to start to 
to get uh, pretty interesting here very soon. Yeah, and we'll see how they manage Trey Lance in the preseason. You'd think they'd want to give him a lot of reps, but you also don't want to expose him to too many live hits before the start of the year. Uh, They exposed him to some live hits before the start of last season, and kind of threw off the Trey Lance trajectory, right? He broke his finger against the, right. the Raiders. And Kyle Shanahan wanted to run the two to two quarterback system. He saw him try to stick Lance in there against Detroit, but but he wasn't really able to, to throw consistently enough for that to work. So then, and then Kyle just went with his old school rhythm with, with Jimmy Garoppolo. So um, new season, new strategy. We'll see what happens. For Matt Barrows, this is David Lombardi. We'll talk to you all next time on the Here's the Catch podcast.